0: This morning I felt like it's important for us to have something like an Oxford Vineyard family chat. So this is a family discussion here, sitting together. And I wanted to start by sharing my story, but before I get into that, I just want to pray again. So, yeah, Holy Spirit, we just invite you here right now. Father, we thank you for this day today. That you're here, you're with us, God. Jesus, you said where two or three gather in your name, there you are in the midst of them, Lord. Jesus, we ask that you would come and stand right in the midst of us this morning. Lord, we want to feel your tangible presence in this space, God. For those online watching, Lord, that you would flood their their room wherever they are, God. Holy Spirit, we need you, God. Oh, yeah, so you would knit our hearts together. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, I felt like I just wanted to share some of my story. Probably a lot of you have heard it before, but um, just felt like that's where the Lord wanted me to start this morning. I'm gonna go all the way back before I was born. <laughs> my mom and dad. They were married, they had sex, and I can't, um, no, we won't talk about that. We're not talking about sex this morning. They got married at Sess Chap- Chapel, you know, right, right down the street, and were part of a, a community, a church body that was a family, Zion. And, and in that place, there are so many young families together, and a lot, a, lot of, well, a lot of those families are actually part of this body and, and other bodies still in the church. Um in oxford and and it was an amazing thing that the Holy Spirit was doing in that church and in that, in that body and in those families together. And there are things that were formed there that are, that are pillars, even that we stand on in this church that we might not know about. from that from the beginning until five, I was in that that place, and I don't have a lot of memories of that, but I just remember the, just the sense of that family, you know and then the Holy Spirit moving in that place, and the Lord moving in that place. When I was five, we moved to Kansas City, part of a bigger church family. Um, It was Metro Christian Fellowship Church in Kansas City, well-known. It had become a vineyard right when we moved there, part of the vineyard thing. So I was introduced to that as a young age. Serving evangelism was something I loved to do with my dad. We'd go out and run through traffic as people stopped at stoplights to give them a Coke on a hot day, you know, just because Jesus loved them. Practical way to show them that. I just share the love of God. And so I love doing that, even as a child, serving evangelism. Fast forward and nine years, and the Lord called us back to Ohio. The Lord did something in my parents' lives, and it was bringing, the, bringing our family back here. My brother and sister were born in Kansas City. But bringing us back to be part of family again, back here. Part of what he was doing in that. And so I grew up um, middle school and high school at OBF, Oxford Bible Fellowship, down the street. It was part of a, an awesome group of young adults pursuing Jesus, going after the Lord, praying together, meeting together, worshiping together, doing 30-hour famines together, you know, funny stuff. going on trips together. It was awesome. And we would go back to Kansas City just every year as the, there's a young adults conference that, that was going on at, at, in that church that became the International House of Prayer later became the International House of Prayer. And I loved doing that. So all throughout high school I was visiting, going back, and after I graduated I went back to Kansas City to be part of the International House of Prayer. I became an intern, got on staff, did classes, did that stuff, and then through that developed more friendships and family with other people. And they invited me to help start another House of Prayer in actually Hawaii, Kona, Kona Hawaii. And so I moved there for a couple of years to help start this thing with a family again. And, and it was amazing. And the Lord did things there that are still happening now, even though none of the people that were <laughs> there at the beginning are still there. There's things that we, we prayed through and applied there, and other people even before I went there for years that are still happening now. And the fruit of that is still there because there was a family committed together into the mission that the Lord called them to. And that's what I really want to talk about this morning is a family, a group of people, more than just a community, but a group, a family, on a mission together, in their pursuit of Jesus. So after, after being in Hawaii, that actually that family that I was a part of, it broke down because I wanted to be in a relationship with those, the, the head of that family, their, their kid, their daughter. <laughs> it was one of my friends. I loved her a lot. I was in love with her. I wanted to marry her. We were dating. But they said no. It wasn't what they felt the Lord had. But there was not much more of an explanation for that. And so from a standpoint of you know, leaving everything I knew and the family I had back home and friends to come there to be part of their family, for them to say, you know, this actually isn't what God has, was, it was heartbreaking for me. It's like, I want to be joined to your family. I want to do what the Lord's called you to do. But to them, that wasn't what they wanted for one reason or another. And so that kind of broke down this thing inside of me. And... And since then, we've, we've actually been able to meet again years later and, and, and reconcile those things. But coming back from Hawaii, I had been hurt by, the, by my family there, <laughs> by this family I joined. There. And I've been hurt by other family in the church because the, the woman that I loved, the, gr- the girl I wanted to be engaged to and, and spend my life with, um, our relationship broke down, not actually because of her, her parents' decision, because we continue to do that even though they didn't want us to, um, and we honored it for a while, but but we wanted to ultimately go forward as adults. Well, it actually broke down because my roommate, who was also part of this family in one way, because we were joined together on this mission, they they had a relationship outside of our relationship together. And so that broke down my my view on that family even more. You know, there was a heartbreak there, there was a tearing there. And so coming back to Ohio, I didn't want to be part of the church family I I mean I loved my family I I just didn't want to be around them I was hurt I had thought the Lord had given me these prophetic words and I was trusting on these prophetic promises but they didn't come the way I thought that they were going to come and so the enemy put those things in my eyes and became blinders and became this distance between me and any family me and any believing family, church body I didn't want to be around them and and so I thought you know, I'm just going to work I'm going to do my life and I'm going to stay outside of that, those kind of relationships because all I've seen is pain there, really. And so, but yet I still love my family. My dad and I actually went into business during this whole time. So the Lord was still at work doing things, even though I didn't want to be part of the church family. We moved to, I moved to Oxford as we started the Oxford Skyline, Chile, together as a family, my dad and I. My brother Izzy, we were part of this, so we are still working together as a family, but it wasn't the church body, and I didn't want to be part of that. There was actually a time where I entered into, an, into some other broken relationships at different times, but my dad came to me and said, Josh, you know, what's happening here and this you know, love relationship? And I was like, it's like, you know, you want a godly relationship here? And I was like, no, no, dad, I don't want a godly relationship in this place. Like, I don't want that. That's not what I want. I thank you for your advice, your wisdom. I just don't want it. I'm not there. And so broken relationships, again, just cultivating this thing of broken people and, and trying to be in a relationship without Jesus doesn't work. Something that Bree's dad de- dealt with his whole life. Broken relationships inside of him. It was a family thing. This is just she shared with us last night. You know, it, it continued, and the Lord wanted to break it off, but it wasn't broken there didn't get broken in that, but, but it will be broken off of Brie. It'll be broken off of her siblings, Lord willing, you know, as she draws close to them. The Lord wants to, to bring healing and, and reconciliation. And so, for me, it had to be a continuation of broken relationships to the place of, I didn't really want to be in a relationship anymore because I had been through so much pain, even like a dating or, or love kind of relationship. And I knew that I wasn't living in what the Lord had for me. I knew what, I, what it was, but I didn't want to be part of it, right? Because of that pain and that brokenness. And so, but I also knew what I was meant for. I knew what I was created for. And so to drown that out, I started drinking a lot. Even in those broken relationships, I started doing that. But, but as those relationships broke down even more, I realized, hey, I'm drinking to myself to this point, where I'm probably going to hurt myself, actually, like I'm going to not make it. So I'll just switch to drugs, because that seems like a better option. <laughs> not really a better option at all. Because it's just a numbing of that pain, and trying to escape, or even trying to enter into things. Because some of those drugs were pr- pretty powerful hallucinogens, and like to experience a spiritual reality without God, you know, the thing I was made for, but without the Lord. And so... I pursued those things just without God and without his family. And in the midst of of um, a lifestyle of drugs, though I, I still honored my, my dad and my mom and my family, so I wouldn't do those things before work. I wouldn't let those things interfere with my work because I valued the thing that we were building together. So a weird, weird kind of breaking point and you know, dissonance in my mind there, where I cared about the, these, this family legacy thing, so I wouldn't let those things get in the way, but I also didn't want to be part of the other part of the family legacy. You know, There's two things going on there. But in the midst of using and, and being in this place, I was living with some friends who had also led them actually into the c- drug culture. Most of them had never done drugs until I introduced them into it. I led a community into something <laughs> on a mission, into drugs, <laughs> into experiencing something. And in the midst of this, I, reach, I went up to my room and the Holy Spirit showed up in my room, powerfully. And he broke into that place and I was like, what are you doing here? Lord?" <laughs> you you know? And he said, I've always been here. I've always been, I've never left you I'm not leaving you even if you're not chasing after me. I'm, I'm pursuing you. I've always been here. You just didn't want to see me. You didn't want to hear me. And then, and then the Lord showed me all the ways, even though I had had a relationship with him and, and, and walked in truth and walked in friendship and, and love and, and family, I had been trying to do things in my own strength, in my own ability. Defined by the the things that I could do for the Lord, you know, rather than just being with Him. And so the Lord just said, you know, if you want to meet me, if you want... He asked if I wanted Him to be God, you know, <laughs> rather than me. Try to fulfill that role. And so I said, yes, Lord, I want you to be God. I, want, I don't want to do this in my own strength anymore. He brought me on my knees in that place. You just brought me through this, this repentance because of his kindness and his goodness. Romans 2 4 says, The kindness of God leads you to repentance. I forgot that up there. The kindness of God leads you to repentance. He was pursuing me with that. It was this kindness and nearness and goodness that brought me to my knees in repentance. It was coming face to face with his goodness that made me want to surrender to his kingship, to his lordship over my life, and allow him to radically change me. This whole time that I had been going through this away from family, away from the family of God, my parents had committed themselves a lot with other parents in this room and outside of this room that are part of our family, to, to pray for me, to contend for my destiny that the Lord wouldn't let the enemy steal from me. I don't know if Bree's dad had anybody contending for his destiny. We've got to contend for each other's destiny. You know? We have to. We have to share encouragement here and there. I remember times when I was not walking with the Lord. I was actually, even days when I was angry at the Lord for something, and then I'd run into Bill Wilson at Kroger or I'd run into one of you guys somewhere and you'd just encourage me, either prophetically or just through love. You know? You'd know, you encourage me. And it was those things that, the, that the, the enemy tried to keep me from, but the Lord was still pursuing me in his kindness and his love through his body. I want to ask you guys, do you realize that all the wealth of the extravagant kindness and love of God is meant to melt your heart? and lead you into repentance. Do you know that? No matter what, no matter what's happened in your life, and the real things, and the real painful things that have happened, His love and His kindness are pursuing you. He's pursuing you in love. So one of the things in that broken time in my life, I had given up on the hope of a true relationship a true love and a true um just a desire for a wife you know I just kind of gave that up it wasn't something I thought was going to happen and one of the things the Lord said to me in my room when he encountered me was you're going to be surprised by how quickly I redeemed the things that you thought the enemy had stolen and not much longer I had met Lynn the love of my life now and and we got into a friendship and then eventually started dating and in love and got married on five year anniversary this week. Yeah. on our honeymoon, we took time to go before the lord it 's something we wanted to do together and so we part of our honeymoon, we rented this this cabin up on this mountain in the Carolinas deep in the deep in the hills of the Carolinas. Yeah. Moravian Falls is the name of this, the town. And on this mountain, you can see the sunrise and the sunset behind either side of the cabin, so pretty pretty in the morning, pretty beautiful at night. And so in this place, there's no technology, nothing you know to distract us, just us together before the Lord and, and committing ourselves and our marriage to this. And in that place, the Lord encountered us. and And something he brought back to my heart was Desire for prayer and worship, and in, in Oxford, actually. We, Lynn had graduated from Miami, we were working together at, at Skyline, but we didn't know if that was the future, you know, for us. like awesome opportunity, but not knowing if that's what the Lord was calling us to. And so that's part of why we went together to this place for a honeymoon. And the Lord just downloaded part of his heart for this city, something that had actually been in my DNA all the way back from the beginning, but the Lord articulated in, in words and in pictures and, and vision and understanding and, and for both of us to be joined into that thing. There are things that happened in Lynn's past, in her DNA, that in you know, part of the vineyard to call us to this place. And so the Lord called us to Oxford and, and then he called us to this family specifically, to this church. We had come to John and Jeff Maglitch and kind of sh- shared what the Lord had given us on our honeymoon. And they were excited, and they said, you know, here's the key. We use the church Sunday. Use it whenever you, know, whenever you want. Just use the, use the church. So we started meeting here, and it, not in this building, in the old building. And, but we weren't coming Sunday mornings. We were actually committed to another family in Coleraine, another vineyard. Lynn was on the worship team there. And the more we just gave ourselves to the Lord and praying for this city, we, we knew the Lord was saying, hey, I want you to be part of the family, actually, that you're in right now, like in the church that you're in. And so John and Kim opened the door for us to come into this place, gave Lynn a job, which was amazing. And this became our family, and it already was our family. The reality was it was already our family. And through that, the Lord brought us through the School of Kingdom Ministry that we talked about earlier. and It was the very beginning of our marriage. We got married in August. September, we started a School of Kingdom Ministry. We didn't even know what it was. <laughs> our friends wow. told us about it, and like, check this out, and it changed our lives. Yeah. And then the Lord put it on our hearts to bring it here to Oxford. And I asked John many, many times to ask to do it, and finally he gave in. <laughs> and it's it's been awesome. We've been doing it for four years. We're going the fifth year of that now. And there've been up and ups and downs. There's been strain at times in relationships. There's been just navigating through things and learning how to communicate and learning how to be part of a church leadership culture and, and, and doing that in the right, healthy way, you know, where I would experienced brokenness before and, um, and wanting to have children and, and not being able to do that right away. And then finally, the promise coming through with Isaiah here now, one year later. and The Lord has done so many amazing things over the past five years, just for me, for Lynn. And and one of the things I felt like the Lord was saying to Lynn and I during our anniversary this week was to look back and stand in hope for the future. To come before him and renew our vision and pick up the mission that he has for us again. Not that we necessarily laid it down, but just to be refreshed, renewed in that thing. So I just wanted to share that with you guys this morning, to look back and stand in hope the future. Come before him and renew your vision and pick up his mission for us. Proverbs 29, 18, pretty popular verse, you know, it says, without prophetic vision, people run wild, but blessed are those who follow God's instruction. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit, but we need a vision. We need a mission because we are a family. We're not just hanging out families do that at times, but actually the Lord has called us to something in our pursuit of him. And we're actually, as we share those things with one another, we'll realize we're actually, we're going in the same direction towards Jesus. And that's why he's called us together here. So I want to ask you a question. What's your story? You have a story. There are things that the Lord has done. Maybe you didn't think were a big deal, but they actually are. Moses grew up in the house of Pharaoh for 40 years, right? He learned things in that family. He learned how to govern. He learned how to lead people. He learned how to care for people. And then something rose up in him that was part of his true identity when he saw an Egyptian beating an Israelite, right? And he didn't know how to process that. And so he did the wrong thing by killing the Egyptian brother (laughs) family to defend the Israelite. It was his calling, but it just came out in the wrong way because he, determ- he didn't know how to interpret it, to understand it. And so then he went in for 40 more years to learn how to shepherd in a wilderness. You know, how to care for a huge flock in a desert place for 40 more years. And then the Lord called him to something, <laughs> to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And there were things from both of those times in his past his history, his life, his DNA, the things that the Lord had built in him that he probably had no idea were going to come forth in the next 40 years to lead the people through, through, the, through the desert, to lead them to freedom. He didn't think he was qualified, but the Lord said, you've been qualified because I call you, and here's how you know you're going to do it. You're going to do it. You guys know that story? I, know, I didn't write it down, but Moses asked the Lord, well, how do I know that's you calling me to do this? And he said, here's your... Here's your evidence that I'm calling you to do this. You're going to do it. Amen. you know. So <laughs> here's the thing. The Lord's called us to something. How do I know this? We're going to do it. We're going we're to do it. He's called us to something. He's called us to a mission in our pursuit of Him. Back when Lynn and I first felt God calling us to be part of the Oxford Vineyard family here, we sat down and listened to John and Kim's story. And there were things that God did in them to birth this here. There are things that he did, and the way that they even articulated some of those things resonated with our hearts. As we heard them, we realized, Lord, you're doing the same thing in us. And so we knew that our stories were coming together. And I'm convinced in the power that's contained in our stories. I'm convinced that the Lord has, has his strength through our lives His narrative through our lives is way more powerful than we understand. We need to tell our stories to one another. We need to share our stories with one another. Our stories transform us. They can transform those around us. We have to learn how to tell our history and share our experiences. To use our stories to make a difference. To give guidance, to give encouragement, to broaden perspective. To see further than normal. To act beyond a story that may have imprisoned or enslaved us. We can look back and we can learn from things. And those things that we learn, we can share with others. And they can, they can go beyond us. You know? That's true wisdom is to be able to hear someone else's experience and not have to live it yourself. And say, I'm going to avoid these pitfalls because I saw that person's life and what happened there. And they encouraged me. We share our stories to live more of what the Lord's put in us and our spiritual and and potential on the earth. Stories connect the past and the present to the future. Sharing our stories and learning from them shows honor and respect for one another. We understand the Lord is knitting us together for a reason. Our stories can awaken others, can awaken things in others even future generations, to the things that the Lord has given us and called us to. So what's your story? You have a testimony. I'm going to take this next verse completely out of context, and I'm warning you now so that you don't, you don't get phased by it. It's a popular verse, and you've all heard it out of context before, because there's truth in it. <laughs> Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame and conquered him, the accuser, because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. Your story, your testimony, the way Jesus has come into your life, intersected your life and changed you, it's powerful. The message says that verse this way. It says, they defeated him through the blood of the lamb and the bold word of their witness. What have you witnessed? What has God done that you've witnessed? Share that with one another. There's two important pieces in that verse. There's a lot of important things in that verse. One, that we overcome. They overcame. Second is by the word of their testimony. Whether you've weathered a storm, or storm after storm, or you've remained under the radar, maybe not much has happened, you know. Here's the thing. You have a testimony. No matter where you found yourself, You've got a story. It's uniquely yours. It's no one else's story. It's your story. Yeah. And it's beneficial. And we need to hear it. It might be scary for you to share that part of your life. It may be risky, but it's also so powerful. Think of every person whose story has influenced you. If you love to read, if you love to listen to other people's stories, maybe your parents' story, maybe your friends, role models, mentors, famous people teachers, pastors, relatives, whatever it is, you know, random people on social media, how have you been influenced by their story? There's something about stories that, 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 you know, it connects us to others. Their stories might not always be that dramatic, but they're powerful, and yours is too. So I have an assignment for you guys. Um, there's three parts to this assignment if you want, want to take all of them. So make make a note for yourself to remember to do this assignment. The first part is at some point this next week, it might take longer than a week, I understand. (laughs) At some point this week, start writing down your story. Just for yourself, just write down your story. Start small, you don't have to have every detail, you know, you can come back and look at those things later. Just chronicle your life. Maybe go back and share some of your family's past, if it's, if, you know, if it's brought to you to where you are. Wherever you decide to begin from your childhood till now, write out the big things that have happened in your life. Write down how you, you came into relationship with Jesus. When did that happen? Write down your version of the good news of Jesus and how you've been transformed by it. The gospel is the good news of God, right? It's the best news ever. And we have the first, you know, the first four books of the New Testament are the gospel according to John, the gospel according to Matthew. What's the gospel according to you? How has that affected your life? How's the good news of Jesus come into your life? Write those things down. Just a side note, if you want to get better at evangelism, share your story. Preach about how God has captured your heart. How His love and kindness has pursued you. Share those things. Write down how you, part of this assignment, write down how you came to find yourself at Oxford Vineyard. Maybe you're just visiting this morning. That's okay. Maybe you're part of this family and you have been for years. Write down how that happened. Maybe the word of the Lord came and directed you here. You You woke up in the middle of the night. The angel of the Lord came. Go to Oxford Vineyard, maybe. (laughs) Whatever it is, even if it's insignificant, write it out. Now here's the second part of the assignment. If you choose to accept. Send that story to me. (laughs) Once you've written it out, because I want to hear it. In fact, if you're really bold, let's sit down and for coffee and I want you to tell me that story I want to hear it because the thing is my story Lynn's story John and Kim's story your story if you consider yourself part of this family how God has brought you into this place is part of our story you might not think you have a big part in this body but you actually do and we want to hear that story This is our story, and there are things that God has done within you, and things that he's purposely placed in you, maybe even 40 years ago. Experiences that you've had, and you carry a holy DNA within you. And your story is part of this story. And there are powerful testimonies, there are powerful prophetic words, and ways God has shown up, and we need to hear them. We want to hear them. Send that story to me. That's the second part of your assignment Sit across from me and just tell it to me. The third part, if you choose to, to go forward, is to share your story with others. What God is doing you, in you and in us, though it may be personal and unique, it's also part of the larger story the Lord is, share, is saying, you know, he's doing. He's doing amazing things in the lives of people here in, in the in the lives of people in obf and cobblestone and st mary's and all the churches over oxford and beyond the lord is doing something and his narrative is is being written and it's 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 prevailing even though we might not see it in the moment and he's committed to his promises Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, Peter's writing to the various churches in Asia Minor. So lots of churches, not just one specific church. He calls forth their destiny as the body of God across Asia Minor. And he reminds them that they are part of something bigger than themselves. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, and then I'm going to skip to 9 and 10 says, come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. You're God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. Now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't received it yet, but now you're drenched with it. I love the wording of the Passion Translation. We're drenched with his mercy. We're called to be living stones, priests and kings, ones who minister to the Lord and to one another. We're a family together on a mission. our stories are part of his story he's chosen you to show himself to the world he's chosen your story to express part of his heart to other people and and without it, without your story we won't we might never know that part of god so i want to know that part of god in you tell others about things that the lord has done unexpected blessings god has provided What he's brought you through, what he's done with you, what he what he means to you. What attributes have you experienced of God? Tell others what you've survived, where you've thrived, where your lowest point was, and what it looked like to get out of it. Tell others how you've overcome through your testimony and what you're hoping to overcome. Not only would we be potentially helping them overcome some of those things in their lives, you'll be paving the way for you to walk through those things again if they come up. You can overcome through the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So, got it. What's your assignment? Write down your story. Share it with me if you want to. I want to hear it. And share it with others. You don't have to do it in that order. Actually, share share your story with somebody after church today. Get lunch with them. Share your story. Share your story with your kids. Share your story with Miami students who are coming. They need to learn. They need to learn from those experiences, your trials, your failures, your triumphs. There's so much we can learn from our shared experiences in God. Lord wants to build a foundation of living stones to stand upon when the enemy is attacking. The the foundation is Jesus, but there's living stones that that build up a wall. Stories that we've gone through, our experiences with God, they build up the wall when the enemy is attacking. Many years from now, we want to be able to look back and say, this is what God did. This is his narrative. This is the truth of who God is, no matter what the enemy is doing. We want to be able to use our stories to build faith and expectation and hunger for more of God, to do the same and greater. Two weeks ago, John Bertram shared his story, and it reignited things within me, especially for servant evangelism. I believe that John's story is releasing something, even for us, to walk in more servant evangelism than this church and this body. Just him sharing that, I believe that. The Lord wants to do that with us. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible Father, right? As the body of Christ, we are the visible image of Jesus to each other and the world around us. And there's actually a measuring line for how well we show off Jesus. There's a measuring line. Jesus gives it to us in John 13, 35. It says, when you display the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know you're my true followers. They'll know that you are mine when you love others the way I've loved you. If we love others how he's loved us, we show off the Son. And the Father comes into clearer view and clearer focus when we love others. God, I repent. I want to turn away from times where I have not shown you by loving others the way you've loved me. Thank you, Lord, you still call me by your name even when I fail in that. You give me another chance, Lord. Lord, I ask that your love would wash over me and wash over us again. Let your love flood into any selfish places, God. Any places of fear, any places of loneliness, any places of depression or lust or things that have have overcome us, Lord. Let your love wash us, God. Wash us clean, God. Don't allow the enemy to steal from us or to take our lives, God. Wash over our relationships, Lord, Get to our families, God. With your love and kindness, turn us towards you, Jesus. So I'm going to be honest with you guys, if I can for a second here. Coronavirus has been super hard um, and the amount of friends and acquaintances. That I've talked to and had conversation with, myself included, have been struggling on a whole new level with depression. And I know this is something that has affected people in this room, too. It's because we're meant for something. we're meant for relationships, we're meant for family. We're meant to be in presence, in close proximity to one another, closer than six feet. We're meant to be closer than that, you know? we're meant to protect one another, too. And so we, ha- we have this thing that we're, we're holding in between our, between our hands here to understand how to do this right. But that struggle, you know, it's, it's, it's real. So whatever you're feeling, whatever you've experienced, it's a real thing. and It's okay to feel the way that you're feeling. But I want to encourage you guys not to let it overwhelm you to the place of the enemy wants to distance us even more. From one another even with you know we have the six feet rule but the Lord he, doesn't, he wants our hearts to stay connected and actually connect us even more than ever in this season so don't let the enemy put distance between us and I just want to repent to you guys because I've allowed distance to, ha- to happen in my heart actually between myself and other image bearers you know when I, especially when I get on Facebook and I, I read things that I don't agree with. And I, the enemy has allowed that to put distance in my heart from other believers that I love. Those who have a different opinion than me, they're allowed to have a different opinion than me. That's okay. I've discussed this with other pastors and ministry leaders from other places, and some have felt the same way i felt, some, you know, led the way in repentance and helped me get to that place. And some have just decided I can't get on Facebook, or like, like they can't get on social, social media anymore because they can't let that create distance between them and their family. The Lord challenged me by inviting me to like other people's posts. Not because I agree with them, but because he likes them. That was just something that was really hard for me. And so the Lord invited me to do that. I might not agree with their post, and I'll tell them that I don't. Not in a bad way, but I'll just say, but I really like you. I like that you're talking. I like that you're voicing something inside you. And so that's just a challenge the Lord challenged me with. You don't need to do that, but if he challenges you, go for it. Rather than let the enemy sow resentment or distance or something between us even further. We need to learn how to listen to one another's stories, getting back to stories. We want to understand why someone has developed a specific view or opinion, to learn how to facilitate even uncomfortable conversations. We want to be peacemakers, but at the same time it's okay if we disagree, as long as we keep our love on for one another and we stay at the table and don't just get up and walk away from each other and stay away from each other We've got to keep our love on, even in uncomfortable conversations. That's kind of a tangent there. But just to wrap up here, I know i got a little bit of time left here. Just wanted to share, last night when we were with Parker and Bree, Parker shared some of the rough draft of the message he was going to share this morning. And one of the things he was going to talk about this morning was our responsibility to remember our mission in twenty twenty. And so he, he shared with me his notes and he said, Hey, if anything in here the Holy Spirit highlights anything, just feel free to share it. I want to hear his message because the Lord put it in his heart. But what he was calling us to as a body was not to become distracted, to be not to become distracted by the accuser. Not to be distracted by the narrative of the, of the world and the media. Not to be distracted by masks or political parties or statistics or YouTube conspiracy v- videos or Facebook arguments. It was a call to be focused on Jesus. Focused on what he has for us in this season. Because the enemy wants to steal from us. Do you realize like we might be on the edge of, of the most incredible thing? and the enemy is going to put up all these things so we can't see what the Lord has for us, try to keep us from that. I believe the Lord has something right around the corner. And this actually isn't something new. He actually told us about it at the beginning of the year and at the end of 2019. The enemy loves to put obstacles in front of us to distract us from what the Lord has for us. Parker brought up the the profound prophetic words Julie gave, Julie Sellers gave an amazing message at the beginning in January. It was prophetic direction about 2020. She was sharing some different things that other trusted prophetic people have said, and it was about vision and about what the Lord has for the church globally and locally. And we cannot allow the enemy to steal that vision. Our responsibility is to focus on Jesus and his promises and what he's calling us to, not just in 2020, but beyond. And we need spiritual dads and moms. We need you guys. We need you guys focused on Jesus. Reminding each other. Reminding younger generations of the promises of God. The dreams, the dreams that you dreamt in your heart with God, moms and dads, people over 55. Those dreams you've had in your hearts that you haven't seen yet happen, but you know the Lord's promised those things. We need to hear those things because the Lord's giving vision to the younger generation to walk in those dreams. So together, The Lord's going to point us in a direction as a family. and I I think he's already been doing it, but he's going to continue to do it. And I think as a family, as a church body, we're going to see this clearer and clear As the Lord gives us a direction to go on. We're going to go into a series in a couple weeks of these reworked family values. Church values. And I believe the Lord is going to give, we're going to be able to articulate them by His Spirit, in ways that connect with things in your hearts that you haven't connected yet. He's going to bring us into even a fuller understanding of what He wants to do here and, and, and propel us into the next thing that He has for us. I really want to see the unfolding of those things that the Lord's put in us. The run deep inside that, that maybe you haven't even shared yet with anyone. I want to hear those things. Back in December 2019, the Lord gave me a series of encounters over a four-week period, started here in this room. And it was during a message in December 22, 2019. And John was sharing out of Matthew, Matthew 6, and it was, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And it was encouraging us to, you know, to go after the things in heaven and store up treasures in heaven. And the Lord spoke to me. It was really a, you know, maybe a top ten in my life moment where the power of the Lord showed up. And it, I, I call this the internal audible voice of the Lord. So it wasn't like a booming outside, but it was like booming inside. shook me to my core. It was more than just a knowing that the Holy Spirit was whispering something, but it was like a powerful voice. And it was so direct and so powerful, it shook me. And John was sharing, verse 19, the treasures in heaven that, and the Lord said, the treasures in heaven that I want OV, Oxford Vineyard, to lay up for themselves are souls saved. I shared this word that day, but it was about bringing people into relationship with God. Because it's one of the most valuable things to him, and so sharing our story is part of that reality. That's why I'm connecting these things here. So valuable to the Lord, where our, where our treasure, where our heart is, our treasure is going to be. The Lord is inviting us and commissioning us to set our hearts, our emotions, our actions upon His desires. And the Lord, I heard the Lord saying at that time that He was releasing specific grace for witness and evangelism. In the areas where we've hit brick walls and not seen people give their lives over, as we press in, we'll see breakthrough like never before. That's something I heard the Lord say. And then coronavirus hit, and I was like, man, is that a true word or not? <laughs> <Where did> they... <laughs> we'll see. No, I, I believe it isn't. And the Lord was telling us beforehand, because he knew it was right around the corner. And it wasn't to get distracted by what the enemy's doing, but to press in for his promises. Later that week, a week and a half later in December, I was going to bed, not quite asleep, and I had a vision and a dream, somewhere in between, where I found myself standing in the sanctuary, and there were no chairs in here, it was just empty. Um, and there were, where the rows were supposed to be, there weren't people, but there were floating wicks, kind of like a wick on a candle or dynamite maybe. Um, where people would be standing and worshiping him. I saw the outline of people, but the people weren't really there, but the wicks were connected in their chests, in their heart. And obviously, I didn't understand that or interpret it as coronavirus was happening. We wouldn't be here (laughs) in the room together. But what the Lord was doing in our hearts, he was igniting something. Right? That fire is not going to go out no matter what the enemy throws at us but it's going to explode. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be... it's going to burn bright. It's going to explode with His Spirit ablaze in us to reach the people of the city as a family, showing off the love of Jesus to one another and to those around us. And then there was another part of that encounter a week later, I we went back to Kansas City. We went for a vacation. we were back, and I hopped back in the prayer room in Kansas City. And a friend, Ed Hackett, his close friend, you know, had some prophetic words. So he called me back into this side room and just actually gave words for OV in that room, for Oxford Vineyard, and, and, and things that the Lord was calling us to in the next season. And at some point, I'll hopefully share some of those things. But something the Lord said to Ed that, what the Lord's doing in this season in our church, in Lynn and I, and in this church, and in this family, is way more important than we think. I mean, we, got, we must begin to see the importance of our stories and the things that God has called us to and what he's going to give to us. So I'm so excited for the, that series that we're going to come up with. We're going to share those things that the Lord's put in us. I'm just going to end here. Lynn, if you guys want to come back up, worship team. Through all this, again, this is kind of jumbled together again, putting this together at midnight, but I was meditating on Proverbs 3 this week, just kind of doing the read it, write it, say it, sing it, pray it thing. And I just want to read out some of these verses. I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it's long, just to get us into a place of worship. If you guys want to just stand up and want to enter in together on this, uh, what the Lord has for us. And so just close your eyes, get comfortable, take your shoes off if you want, keep your masks on if you have them. But let's just get before the Lord together here as we go into worship. So this is Proverbs 3. I'm going to read some of it here. This is in the Passion Translation again. It says, my child, If you truly want a long and satisfying life never forget the things I've taught you follow closely every truth I've given you then you'll have a full rewarding life hold on to loyal love and don't let go and be faithful to all that you've been taught let your life be shaped by integrity with truth written upon your heart. That's how you'll find favor and understanding with both God and men. You will gain the reputation of living life well. Trust in the Lord completely and don't rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you and He will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do. And he'll lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you'll find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. My child, when the Lord speaks to you, never take his words lightly. Never be upset when he corrects you. For the Father's discipline comes from his passionate love and pleasure for you. Even when it seems like his correction is harsh, it's still better than any father on earth gives to his child. Those who find true wisdom obtain the tools for understanding, the proper way to live, for they have a fountain of blessing poured into their lives. The ways, of, the ways of wisdom are sweet, always drawing you into a place of wholeness. The, earth laid, the Lord laid the earth's foundations with wisdom's blueprints. His living understanding, all the universe came into being. By his divine revelation, he broke open hidden fountains of the deep, bringing secret springs to the surface as the mists of the night dropped down from heaven. My child never drift off course from these two goals for your life, to walk in wisdom and discover discernment. Don't forget how they empower you, for they strengthen you inside and out and inspire inspire you to do what's right. You'll be energized and refreshed by the healing they bring. They give living hope to guide you, and not one of life's tests will cause you to stumble. You will not be subject to terror, for it will not not terrify you. Nor will the disrespect be able to push you aside, because God is your confidence in times of crisis, keeping your heart at rest in every situation. So Lord, we just come before you today, as a family, God. We want your wisdom, Lord. God, we want to see and value and honor and learn from what you've done in the lives of those around us, God. God, give us ears to listen, God. Unite our hearts, God, before you. God, give us new perspective when we need new perspective. Continue to knit us together by your your story, your good news, the best news ever. Your kingdom is given to a family, Lord. We want to be a family where you you place your kingdom upon will be living stones, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.